Hello, and welcome to Paradox, untold stories from athletic directors with Dr. Danielle LaPointe and Dr. Dustin Smith. We have some crazy and unique stories for you, which are made possible by our sponsor, Wall of Fame. At the Wall of Fame, our mission is to bring your school's legacy to life. We transform school tributes to make it easier than ever to celebrate your whole community, showcasing your school's diverse history, proudest moments, and top role models. We understand that the true value of our Wall of Fame is in your content. Whether you are starting a new tribute or adding to an existing one, we give you all the resources you need to build an interactive experience and take your content to the next level. Speaking of next level, let's check in to see what Danielle and Dustin have for us today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Paradox. We're excited today. I'm excited today because we have uh, <clears throat> what many people around me call a legend in the state of Oklahoma. Um, and one in particular who happens to be an associate AD for me um, calls this guy a very good friend, best friend. Um, I'm not sure if Tyler will share that sentiment or not, but we can talk about that here in a little bit. But I'm excited to have Tyler Chapman with us today. How are you doing today, Tyler? I'm doing great. How are you? Man, I'm living the dream. Excited to have this conversation. We've been talking about this for a while, trying to get this lined up. And as we'll we'll find out, Tyler wears a lot of hats. Um, he he does a lot of things. But as you understand, in, in our profession, that happens. But also combine that with being in a small school and in a remote location. We'll call it a remote location in part of Oklahoma. But we'll we'll dive into that as well. Um, but I can talk about, I can talk for days about Tyler and we won't hold it against him, um, that he is also a friend of Jason Cullors, a previous guest on this podcast and a, a, a friend of, of all of ours. Um, uh, he knows color well, we won't hold that against him, but we'll talk about a variety of topics today. And Tyler, before we get going, I like to ask this question, tell me what the resume doesn't tell us about who Tyler Chapman is. We can talk about you being director of facilities and operations and, head basketball coach and a multitude of things that you do um, at a small school but tell us what the resume doesn't tell us about who Tyler Chapman is um, I'm a father of four kids um, I'm a guy and graduate I've lived out in the panhandle um, about 90 percent of my life um, I'm a people person you know obviously I love sports and, and meeting new people and, and you know learning um, and just and just trying to be around people better than me so I can become better. Well, excluding Jason Culler and Alton Lusk, you you're trying to make yourself better with with other people. I hope. Yeah, I, I, I've kind of um, went around them and, and looking for people, uh, other people, because uh, uh, I haven't learned much from them. No, just kidding. Those are great guys, and and I call them all the time, and and, and some of them daily. Just to ask questions and, and try to learn something or what experience they've had with something and, and, and go from there. Well, let, let's talk about, you talk about being in the panhandle and people maybe across this country, maybe even on this podcast, doesn't know that there's a panhandle in Oklahoma. So um, let's, let's go ahead and paint on a map where Guymon, Oklahoma is so people can kind of get a sense of where you're at. We are literally in the part of Oklahoma that looks like a handle. We are 40 minutes from Kansas, we are 20 minutes from Texas, or 90 minutes from New Mexico, um, and probably about the same from Colorado. We're smack dab in the middle of the panhandle. Um, 
We're a 5A school. Um, the closest 5A school to us is El Reno. Um, and, you know, obviously that's off I-40 on the way to Oklahoma City. Yeah, and how far is that from you? That's probably about 230 miles. And that's the closest school? That's the closest 5A school. Um, <laughs> now, Woodward, Woodward's 120 miles, and they're, you know, that's a two-hour drive, and, and they fluctuate from 4A, 5A. So when they're 5A, we that's our closest school. Now, I used to live out in Alva, went to school out in Alva, northwestern Oklahoma State. So I've been to Goodwill and Guyman frequently because there's a college there that is Oklahoma Panhandle State, um, fittingly named because it's in the Panhandle. But you can go beyond Guyman and still hit more towns in Oklahoma. Um, and one of my favorite is Boyce City, which is about as far as you can go in the state of Oklahoma. And as you're leaving out there in the Panhandle, I think it's torture, but they have a sign that says Oklahoma City, like 350 miles or something like that, that's to Oklahoma City. You're still in the state, and that's the middle of the state, um, but that just shows you how far out there and how remote Guyman, Oklahoma is. Yeah, for us, it's about 270 miles, and so, yeah, when you go to Boise City, you're another hour west, and there's even a smaller school out there, Felt, Oklahoma, that's just probably 15 minutes from the New Mexico border. And so, yeah, let's, you know, go to the city. It's, it's 265, 270 miles one way. We'll just, that'll be part of a, a story I'm sure that we'll talk about just to tell you that. Um, so if you're going 260, 270 miles, um, how long by bus does that take you? Oh, the time you stop, I mean, you're talking four and a half to five hours, you know, one way. And so, um, you know, it's it's definitely a trip. Woodward's our kind of our stopping point or ceiling on the way to to Oklahoma City. And when our kids get to Woodward, they think, "Hey, coach, we're almost all the way home." And I'm <laughs> like, "Guys, we still have two hours to go." <laughs> and that's coming back from a, a game. That's right. And and you play games. You're varsity girls basketball coach, so you play game on a Tuesday night and have to travel that far coming back. Yeah, we, we went to a district in 5A, kind of like what you guys, you know, in 6A, you know, we moved to that district play, and and we'll go to the city seven times this year on Tuesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. And uh, I calculated it the other day, and we'll travel about 5,000 miles on a bus uh, just during basketball season. So as you coach basketball, do you also drive the bus? I do not. Um, thank goodness we're fortunate enough that we have drivers that – will drive us. Um, a lot of our coaches drive in the area, um, but we don't We don't typically put our coach on a bus to drive to the city, coach the game, and come all the way back. And and it's not just basketball. I mean, it's every sport you have that has to go distances to play. So unless you physically move the city of Guyman, you're not, you're not changing those locations, obviously. You're going to have to travel. But the flip side is as people have to travel to you, too. That's right. Um, they have to travel, and it's kind of, you know, going to district play. People were surprised that Guyman had voted into it to do it, but, you know, as an AD, that scheduling is a nightmare sometimes, and especially where we are. So when they set forth that district play, now all those Oklahoma City teams will have to come out and play at our place. Now, they'll kind of fuss and complain about coming one one time out here, and I have to remind them, we have to go there seven times. Right. And so uh, 
they kind of just laugh about that. But yeah, they, it's uh, we've already been doing it in softball and soccer, and so we're adding basketball into it. And, and I actually like it. I think it takes the rankings out of it, and, and you just get to go play. And and how you finish is how you finish. Yeah, you don't have to worry about non-conference games and what that strength of schedule may look like. You're actually going to be able to determine who's. I mean, because you've got 14 games that matter. That's right, and it's you know 14 games and three tournaments. Our schedule set. I'm not looking to schedule. I mean, before this, we played anybody. We may play four Kansas teams, two New Mexico teams, three Texas teams, and get a few Oklahoma. And it, and I think it um, on some of our best years of basketball and hardest rankings wise, because a lot of people on the east side of the state didn't know who we were playing or how good they were, that sort of thing. Now, I went with Alton. Alton Lusk is uh, an associate AD here at VA and happens to be the best friend of <clears throat> Tyler Chapman. Um, and we went to Enid on Friday night for a football game. He said, man, this was a stopping point for me because he used to drive back and forth to Guyman. Um, so he knows that area well. And he said, it's still four hours from, from Enid to get out there. So um, pretty good jaunt. We were out that way. Uh, but a common a common person, somebody who said he came in my office one day. He said, "Man, you gotta get Tyler Chapman on on the podcast because that guy's got some stories, and we could probably talk forever about stories of Alton Lusk, but we probably won't get into that. We don't need to <laughs> we don't need to waste your time with that. But um, I know you've got some stories from your chair, and especially you've been at Guyman fifteen years and been out there most of your life." Um, so I know you got some stories from your from your chair, some things that were kind of crazy things that happened to you. And um, that's what Danielle loves about this podcast, the opportunity to hear stories from across the country. So hit us with a story to start this to start this episode. You know, you don't ever think it's going to happen. And you guys know as ADs that we, we schedule sometimes a year to two years in advance, whether it's games and 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 officials. And uh, just a couple years ago we get, uh, we're going to the game and we're playing and it's like a 6.30 and 8 o'clock tip off and and we're playing a team from the city and they call me about 6 o'clock because I'm getting, I'm panicking about where are they at and um, the I get a hold of their AD, their AD gives me the coach's number and they're still about an hour and a half out, they didn't check on the map where Guyman was from Oklahoma City. It's the first time their coaches have ever been out here, and so we didn't end up starting that game until that girls' game until about eight o'clock, and the boys' game about ten o'clock. Um, but we had to get it in, and you know, during basketball, you don't know if you'll ever have a makeup with winter time and things in ice and snow, and so you know that's one of those things they didn't they didn't prepare and didn't check on. Um, how far they were. And uh, we've actually had a team before. It was a non-district, non-conference game and got to Woodward and uh, read the sign that it's 120 miles and call and say, we're not traveling any farther. And those are two things right quick that come to top of my head yeah. when you're in AD and scheduling and you've talked to them and you've already been to their place the previous year and then boom, they bail on you on, on game night. I just feel like that's common sense, though. Like, they didn't Google where your school was before they left, so they knew what time to leave. Like, that's that's crazy. Yeah, and, you know, and, and I try to – we send out a weekly 
you know, what's going on during the, what events are going on during our game or before the game, after the game, where we're located. Um, if it's somebody that I don't, it's brand new to us, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tell them, Hey, you know, it's a four hour drive. It's a five hour drive. Um, but this one in particular, just, you know, I guess they just forgot to look and, and, uh, get to Woodward or just past Woodward and say, Hey, we're not coming any farther. And then the other one was just late. Um, it's happened with officials too, where we, uh, one of the craziest things is we're getting ready to tip off. I was coaching boys. Um, I coached high school boys for about 15 years, um, before I went to girls and during the girls game, we have no varsity officials. And, uh, I literally have to call, officiate the varsity game, grab another guy that I know is a high school basketball official from about 20 minutes away. And we call the high school girls game until those guys get there. So I call the, I referee the girls game and then go change clothes and then coach the varsity boys game. And so it was pretty wild that night as well. So, so, so let me ask you this to, question, Tyler. When you do that, do you just have stripes hanging in your your office that you can just jump into if you need to? Well, we usually we usually do, and just for that reason, because it's happened before in junior high, or I've been places and a guy's forgot his shirt, forgot, and so um, we teach an officiating class here, and we have for a while that we just have some around, and uh, luckily there's been some times junior high wise where I've had to say, hey, I've got you covered. Here's a whistle. Here's a shirt. Um, I'm also I also call high school basketball games when I'm not the nights we're not playing. And so uh, I don't get to call as much as I want, but I've gotten a habit that I just bring my stuff with me. Um, my daughter plays travel basketball. And we're, we may be in Dallas, Tulsa, Oklahoma City, Lubbock, and I take it with me because it's happened a couple of times where official doesn't show up doesn't get hurt well i'm like we just spent all this time driving i guess i'm i'm gonna go lace up and i'm gonna call this game i don't want to but i've had to do it before well and and i think that's just a a, a tool that all athletic directors have you never know what you may do you may be the scorekeeper you may be the, the you may keep the book you may keep the scoreboard you may do a, a whole variety of things um but especially in our country right now, we have such a shortage of officials anyway. Um, and then you get out in um, where you're located, that's the the pool is even smaller just from trying to get officials. And you're definitely not getting them to come from Oklahoma City or from the more populated areas. So trying to get officials may be a, a challenge for you sometimes. Without a doubt. And, and we, uh, we don't have a chapter that assigns us out here. So you kind of, you're kind of on your own as an AD to go, to go, uh, Higher officials, and so we get officials from Oklahoma to Texas to Mexico. Um, Wait, so you and we're able to call. To, you call all these different. You call these different associations, trying to get your officials. Yes, we do, and uh, we'll oh, call usually a, a number, and they'll, uh, you know, I just I call the association, and, and we get them. Those guys are certified in one state, and we quickly get them certified in our state and, and we've kind of, in fact, we've done it this year out of Amarillo, Texas. We've, we've hired uh, two or three crews to come cover some games. Well, and just think about, think about you coach, you reference that girls game. 
how much flack did you take from the girls' coach? Did you have a short leash with the coach? Did you just say, hey, here's some home cooking? Or were you just as neutral as you could be and just say, hey, I'm, I'm not listening to any of this mess from you? Well, what's even wilder about that is my daughter, my oldest daughter was a, was a freshman or sophomore in high school and played on the varsity team. And so I had you're to, officiating? Yeah. And so <laughs> she gave me a few looks out there like, hey, that wasn't a foul. And I just gave it to her like, listen, I know we I know we're going to drive home to the same house, but you're going to we're, you're not going to challenge my calls. But no, it worked well. I think uh, we played a team out of Kansas and they knew the situation and they just wanted to play. And I'd actually called some of their games against another Oklahoma team. And so it wasn't. Um, it wasn't a surprise they had had me before, whether I was good or bad. I mean, they knew what they were, they knew what they were getting. And so, but it worked out, but yeah, it was a little stressful. You know, you, you can't really go through the, your pregame plan and, and your normal stuff because I had to step up and, and, and do that, which that's why we're in this business. It's all about kids. And, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it's, it's making sure they're successful and they're getting to do their extracurricular activities. Well, and you talk about it. I mean, being out there when 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 a team will travel there um, and not go to Woodward and just say, "Hey, no moss, we ain't going anymore." They not when the team will show up. You want to give every opportunity you can for kids to participate, and if that means you're calling a game, you're calling a game. And fortunate for you, you you've had experience, so it wasn't like it was a a maiden voyage for you out there on the floor. You actually knew what you're doing. So, do you have two man crews out there? Do you have three man crews for basketball? We went three man probably about five years ago, and I think it's actually helped us find crews because you know the the older officials, more seasoned officials, obviously they want to call that and that way, and it kind of just saves legs, and they're able to call more games. And I know as a high school basketball official, I'd much rather call the older I get, I'd much rather call three with three man crew than than two man. Have you ever called the game as the single official? What I've started a game like that because the guy was running late. In fact, yesterday at our uh, at our scrimmage, my team's playing, and we started at four thirty. Well, a lot of people aren't off at four thirty, and I knew that, and so I called the the first scrimmage for about ten minutes by myself, and uh, you know we just we just made it work. I think I was probably every time there was even a. a possibility of foul I called it on my girls so we had to play defense a little bit longer but uh, let me ask this question Chad as you as you look through the lens of multiple lenses there you you've been an official or you are an official you're a head basketball coach athletic director how do you balance all three of those and do you as the head coach chide officials do you ride them hard do you are you sympathetic towards them or, I mean, how do you balance that with trying to be the coach and trying to win a game, but also understanding that they're officials and you need them. And sometimes they may not be the best officials ever, but I mean, they're there to help kids have the opportunity to play. So how do you balance being the AD, the basketball coach and an official on trying to balance the behavior that you need to exhibit? That's a great question. You know, 23 years ago when I got into this profession, and started coaching. I was coaching JV basketball. Um, I knew everything. I knew every rule. Um, 
I was always right. I was that guy that I rode officials hard. Um, I've, I've got many bench warnings. And when I, about five years into my coaching career, we started having a shortage of officials. So I got into it and I started officiating games. And I'll be honest with you, I looked at myself out there on the floor and I said, is that how I really act? Because that guy over there is acting like a moron. And uh, from that day forward, I really changed my whole perspective of of how I acted on the sideline and being a being a mentor, being a coach, being an example. Because I think as a as a coach, your kids reflect how you act as as a coach. And so, I mean. I, I think it changed me being official when I became an official, being a better coach. And I have a little bit more grace with officials because I've been in those situations. I've called playoff games. I've called games where a coach's career or his job is on the line with 16, 17, 18 year old kids. And you kind of, you know, you got to have a little compassion, but you also got to understand that that officials out there doing the best they can, you know, and, uh, Especially with a shortage, you, you want them to come back, so you got to do things the right way. Do you feel heightened pressure to do that because of where you're located to make sure that officials want to come back? You know, because it's it's a challenge. You said finding finding teams that'll come play, and and I've been to Guyman. I know exactly where it's at, and I know that I'm blessed in in Northeast Oklahoma because I've got a lot of area, a lot of population right around me, but you don't have that luxury out in Guyman. So you want to make sure that not only teams want to come back, but officials want to come back as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it crosses my mind. And when we do officials, um, you know, I, I try to, when they walk in the building, I try to, you know, we, uh, if I've got to feed them their favorite restaurant in town or if I want just a pizza or or, or whatever, I try to take care of them so that they do come back and make it an, an a, you know, experience where they go, you know what, I really, they pay us really well, and I enjoyed my my experience out there. And that's one reason in our school, we started an officiating class several years ago that our high school kids, um, they get certified to officiate, and we actually have them, some of our seniors will call junior high basketball games. And I'm very protective of them. Um, you know, if I feel we have an unruly fan, which knock on wood, we haven't um, from our own place. We've had some from other schools. And uh, I contact those schools and just let them know, hey, we got kids. And there's a shortage, not just in Oklahoma, but I think nationwide with officials that we need these kids more than they need us. And so we've really... Um, worked with them and we have some of our older officials out here that call whether it's the Jayhawk Conference, Judico basketball in Kansas or D2 basketball that come work with our kids and they'll literally be out there on the floor with them or standing close and during dead balls and timeouts they'll work with them and I think it's been very beneficial to our kids out here. That's well, really talk cool. about being creative. Really, yeah, I mean that's really just cool trying to be it. able to solve a problem. Yeah, I, I like that. And you kind of are describing like the perfect nightmare officials like situation i mean you don't even have an assigner you're calling all of these different places to try to get people to come out they have to drive i mean you're trying to get them some food i I mean it already that's already mind-blowing to me that you even have to go through all of that for every single game not just one of your games or one of your sports all of them so i mean having kids take an official class is 
genius. That's great. I mean, now they're also getting a skill that they can make money on. It's really a win-win. I like it. Correct. And we we have so many small, you know, class A and class B schools that we've tried to fit them in there. And we try to put them with, with one, you know, an experienced official with one of our kids. In fact, here in a couple of weeks, we have some junior high games that they're later in the evening. So it's after my practice that I'm going to call with our kids. You know, I'm, I'm going to pick a kid and we'll go call a junior high game or two junior high games and uh, just get them some experience. And, and we've done it with, we're not only doing it with basketball, we're doing it with soccer, we're doing it with football, we're doing it with volleyball. Um, soccer out here is probably the hardest thing that we can find officials. And so we covered all our junior high games last year with our high school officiating class. And we would have one adult with them and we'd have two kids on the other, you know, that were helping out. So it's been, it's been very beneficial for, for our programs, for the officiating cause and just getting our kids experience. So as, as you said, you're very protective of those kids. So let's talk about the soccer scenario because we've had some episodes on people getting on here and talking about how they've bashed the officials or they've been riding the officials pretty hard. So if you're at a soccer match um, and, and you hear somebody, you said earlier, an unruly fan, uh, what is your steps to, to, to eliminate that for those kids? Just so one, we're trying to retain these officials too. We want to make sure their experience is good. So they'll come back and do it again and again and do it for years to come. So how do you handle that unruly fan that maybe you're trying to protect with your officials? One, I think you really coach up your coaches first and you tell them what you're doing and what this is about. And, you know, they know the shortage. And then what you hope from there, step two is when you have your required parent meeting, not all parents are going to show up to that, but you try to, you try to help the parents be that layer of protection for those kids too. And you say, Hey, you know, that's a 17 or 18 year old senior out there calling this game and they're doing the absolute best they can. And, and then if it gets real bad, I mean, obviously I've went and just sat by him in the stands or I've had to escort people out or just have a conversation. I've called somebody, um, you know, after a game, met him at the gate and said, Hey, come by my office tomorrow. Let's, let's sit down and I'd like to just visit with you. And, and I think once you look at them and talk to them like that, they, they kind of understand and they don't really realize, Oh, I didn't realize that kid. That was his first time ever to call or that's his first time to, you know, to be in that situation because we have an official, um, one of our coach, our head volleyball coach is a, is a high school basketball official too. And, and she goes through page by page of that rule book videos. They actually take practice tests. In fact, they took one yesterday and then they take it again until those kids pass the test. And I'm talking, not just open the book and look up the answers, like being able to take that test and, and, and pass it. And so we try to do a lot of things, but I've had, you know, I've had to escort people out, you know, and I've had to ban people from, for a game, two games, a season. Um, it's been several years since we've done it because we're really trying to advertise what we're doing and, and promote what we're doing. And, and uh, you know, every year we have the area officials meet. I always put it out on social media, come join to be a, an official. And everyone, this year in basketball, we actually got two or three young kids, college kids that uh, came. And so the more we, the more we get, the better. It's just, 
but it's we try to do that layer of protection through parent meetings um you know just promoting it through our coaches our kids promoting it our class promoting it um having all eyes on deck at, at soccer games because you do i mean in really every event but uh soccer seems to be our our most troubling one with with fans at times because it's a physical sport and you don't really realize that i mean it's physical just like football and kids are getting tackled and and ran over and hit and there's did they touch the ball with their hands was the ball out of bounds you know it's all kinds of things well and the only padding they wear is on their shins exactly i mean exactly. it's it's full contact and you know they just wear shin guards and <clears throat> you know I, I really admire what what you're doing with the official officiating class, and I think that's a brilliant idea. Um, so let me ask you this: What sympathy, if any, do you have for those maybe some people from a larger school or a more metropolis kind of area when they start complaining about official shortages or they start complaining about travel? Uh, what sympathy do you have, if any, for them? I mean, I think it's bigger. I mean, I think it's it's hard all the way, you know, all the way around, big school, small school. I think one advantage that you have with the with the larger cities and things is you do have chapters, and you have, um, you know, you may have a, you may have different groups and larger groups um, to pick from. I think one of the issues I know as a young official, I felt like is you tried to get in. And then you buy all this gear and you buy, you take the test and you buy this gear and you do all these things and you get four games your first year. You barely even pay for what you got. And I think one thing as, a, as ADs and as those that run a chapter, I think to get more people, they've got to spread the love a little bit more and give kids more opportunities. Um, but I've been, you know, I've been, I've talked to guys. We've had larger chapters from Oklahoma City call and go, Hey, do you have anybody out there that'd be willing to drive? We'll get them a hotel room if they'll come. And so I don't think it's one way or the other. Obviously, with a without an assigner, um, someone that just takes over and says, Hey, you're going here, you're going here on this night. Um, that's a disadvantage for us. But I also think bigger schools, they probably have the same thing. If someone can't show, who do you fill it with if they're sick? Someone just quits, no call, no show. Um so I, I have sympathy for them. I think they probably, like I said, they have more to pull from, but um, it's you're still fighting the same battle. So, what hat do you not wear? I mean, <laughs> why? I mean, you seem to have way more time than I've got. So why not be the signer of the officials too? I mean, you you seem like you need one more title. I, I tell you what, that's one thing. Every time we have a basketball game, I'm like, what would it take for one of you guys to? to be an assigner out here. I would love to have one just so that whether, and I don't know how you guys do it where you guys are out with the assigners, if the school pays into that or, or her, how that, but I'd like, I would love to have that. I, I'm a, I'm a top recruiter out here too for officials. So I think, and I try to, I try to say, hey, someone take this over. And so I don't have to find it every year, but nobody's taking that bite yet. So <laughs> we kind of, glance past the statement of they got to Woodward and said we're not driving any further was that a was that a conference game was that uh just a non-conference game or was that just 
mean, and what do you do in that situation? Obviously, you're you're left without the game. But what what happens in that situation? Is there any penalty for people not making that trip? No, not really. It was a non-conference, non-district game, and it was really just a it was a JV game, and uh, you know, you just you have a crowd full of people or that are coming in, and you got to stand at the door and say, hey we're going to look for another game or we'll have an inner squad or we'll do something. And, uh, you know, the frustrating part is you got grandma, you got grandparents that drive two hours from a different direction to come watch their grandkid play. And then the school calls and says they can't do it. Um, the problem is there's no penalty. Um, there's really nothing I could do. Obviously I'm, I'm having a, a stern conversation with their athletic director. Um, to say, hey, you know, this is the situation. And, and sometimes the ADs don't know or they're on their way and they're behind the bus or or they're not sending one. And I, they say, hey, we're sending a – we have a parent that works for the school that's going to be a, the administrator there. And so there's really no teeth to it. And so you're like, all right, we'll pack up and we'll try again tomorrow. So that's why the district play was important for you to be able to go to districts and know that you've got you've got teams that are going to both have games. to make that trip and mm -hmm. you're going to have to go to their place too. But you know that those are built-in games. Yeah, and that's what I really liked is is they're built in and you can really see where you're at. I mean, like as a basketball coach, um, I think it, it it's the best seating. It's already it's already wrote on paper who you're going to play, how you finish out the district, instead of putting it in. You know, let's just be honest. I mean, somebody from the and I don't blame them. Somebody from McAllister or Durant or somebody's not going to know anything about Guyman and vote and do um, when they do the weekly voting and give us any love. And we may have a great team and and vice versa. I have to call people and say. How is this team? How is Tahlequah? How is this team? Because I don't know anything about it because they're not a common opponent. Where now we're getting to play our bay twice. Um, you know, you'll get to you'll know where you finish. You know exactly who you're playing, and you can you can look ahead and and, and go from there. So Tyler, let me ask you this question, just because I know and I know Danielle doesn't know, um, but what is the what is the landscape like out in the panhandle? Um, is it full of trees, full of vegetation, full of hills, and or is it look something completely opposite of that? You can get outside of city limits and see as far as the eye can see. I was um, going to say, based on how you're describing it, I just have this image of like desert everywhere, and then like there's your school in the middle. <laughs> of it, this area that you have to drive two hours to be anywhere. Yeah, now we're worth you can you can drive two hours west and you start seeing the mountains. Um, but out where we are in Guyman, it's as flat as flat can be. There's no water. Um, we set a world record out here this past summer, and we got about 25 inches of rain in Guyman. Um. I'm 46 years old, and I don't know if we've had 25 inches in the last 46 years. <laughs> and so uh, uh, the water was running and didn't know what to do out here. And so uh, uh, um, it's one of those things where we got – it was green, believe it or not, and I'm, we weren't used to that. Like I, uh, 
it was it was nice. But yeah, you it's flat as can be. There's limited water. It's very dry. Um, you got to go east towards Oklahoma City, Tulsa to start seeing water. You can go west to start seeing the mountains. But other than that, it's limited trees, limited water, and uh, not a whole lot to see. Now, the old statement was made that there's a pretty girl behind every tree. Is that a true statement? I yeah, I hear that all the time, and, and some people don't get that statement, but uh, <laughs> we still use that statement. They're like, huh? And so, uh, but yeah, it's it's a. Uh, it's a, it's definitely an experience and you have to be from this area to, to appreciate it. And, and, uh, you know, recruitment of, of teachers and coaches, it's, you know, a lot of our people are people that have been within a, within a hundred miles that know the area that, that work for our school and coach for our school. So let me ask you this question in all seriousness, is the greatest athlete to ever come out of Guyman, Oklahoma, Tyler Chapman or Alton Lusk? Man, I have to admit, uh, I don't know if he's the greatest, but he's one of the better ones. So Alton Lusk, uh, he, the guy is, uh, he's been my best friend since we've been in kindergarten. And, and, uh, I, I hate to admit this, you know, live and on the air and, and someone's going to see this and for forever, but yeah, he was, he was a stud. He was a pretty good athlete. And then, you know, the reason I asked that is Alton works with me here and, and I've heard legend of Alton, um, and, and we actually graduated the same year. So I know I'm, I've known legend of him. Now I was in Northeast Oklahoma. He went to college at UCO and I ended up in, in Alva, Oklahoma. So um, the changes for me in Northeast Oklahoma to just an Alva and Alva is still what, three hours from you, two and a half hours from you, Tyler. Sure. Um, but just the changes in trying to judge a fly ball in the wind. Because in northeast Oklahoma, there's hills and trees and the road turns. Uh, when you when you get out and the, towards the panhandle, there's no hills. There's limited trees. The roads are pretty straight. Um, there's no curvy to that. So um, what that all means is the wind blows without any resistance. Uh, and so it it was a whole different avenue for me to get out there and, and try to catch a fly ball. Because I went to college toy baseball and try to catch a fly ball in the wind it's a little bit different and i would say that'd be but what would probably be a home field advantage for people out in the panhandle because they know they know the environment and they know what that looks like oh without a doubt and they get here you know when you, especially when they're coming from the city where you know you got tall buildings and and things like that things to you know lots of trees and they come out of here and, and especially in soccer they may kick a ball and and we've We've actually got a stadium that's kind of built down low, and so it blocks a lot of that wind. But you know, soccer will get they they'll kick the ball, and um, I always tell them you better have plenty of balls because this one may end up in the parking lot. And we've had playoff games where one year we got beat by one zero um, in the quarterfinals out here, and a kid kicked one in from about seventy yards, and it was because the wind moved it about eight different directions and our, our goalie went right off his fingertips, but it was about 70 yard kick with about two minutes to go in the, in the game. And, and we end up getting beat. So in some of those soccer games, can you kick the ball and it not go anywhere just because the wind is so stout? And the, not not the way we're set up. They usually get some, it's the higher the ball. You don't know if it's landing in the, in the seats or if it's going in the parking lot. Right. So what about a knuckleballer out there? Um, is it, is it, 
Because you use the wind to your advantage if you're a knuckleballer. I think that'd be a huge advantage. You found somebody like a Tim Wakefield to come through, Gaiman. Oh, yeah. We're looking for those all the time. Um, <laughs> um, we usually get that north wind, and, and it keeps a lot of balls in, in the park. And, uh, you know, we – we have a we have a nice ballpark here, and the, and the the outfield fence um, is about I don't know probably forty or fifty feet off the ground. It's off the heels how they've done it, and they built that along. Guy uh, made that himself in, back in the seventies, and it's very nice. And so to hit a to hit a ball out of here and hit it in the wind, you got to be a stud. But are you gonna be Tyler Chapman or Alton Lust? That's what you're telling me. Man, I, to be honest, I don't know if either one of us can do that. That that, <laughs> that one's pretty tough. Uh, uh, they did get Lusk out there to play one time in baseball, and and all he did was steal bases. And so, uh, I mean, I don't know that he was good at that, but I don't know if he ever hit a ball. But he dang sure could steal a base. So we can we can talk about all kinds of issues. Um, and it, it seems to be to me that you're not you're not complaining at all. You're just talking about here's what I deal with on a daily basis. And when we get together as ADs, sometimes we gripe about this and we gripe about that. And you still have parents that you're dealing with and you still have official shortages and you have trying to find officials, which is it just blows my mind. You don't have an assigner um, mm -hmm. and there's not one out there that you can use for any sport. Or is it just certain sports you don't have assigners for? We have zero signers for any sport. I can't even imagine. Man. Like you're giving me so much anxiety right now. <laughs> I can't even imagine life without a signer. Yeah, it's and, and it's like right now. I'm uh already this morning. You know, we're working on 2025, trying to get guys locked in. And and the one thing I hear is we try to do our best that we never have an official twice, and if we do, only twice and just because of shortage, but I, I tried to only have at the high school varsity level in all sports only have an official one time. And that makes it even tougher. Yeah. Um, just because that way there's no bias. There's no, you know, people watch film on huddle and they're like, Hey, that guy was there the other day. And that guy was there Tuesday. And then that guy was there Saturday. And so we try to do our, the best we can to, to eliminate that as well. And we, we've had some officials that I feel like I had to give them a letter jacket because I've seen them so many <laughs> times at our games that just, I mean, I can only imagine, and you putting even a stronger parameter on that and saying, hey, we're only going to give you two times at the max um, and trying to, man, the anxiety, like Danielle said, is going through the roof for me mm -hmm. right now, just trying to figure out how does this even happen? And you're not even talking about junior high games or JV games. You're just trying to talk about your varsity games of trying to solidify officials for that. And, you know, at least since I've been around athletics, junior high, you have a ton of games. And trying to find officials for all of those games is quite the challenge. And, man, my hat's off to you for having to try to try to navigate those waters. Yeah, it's it's tough. Now, junior high and JV, we may have – I may have a, a crew come and do – they may do three of our games in a year. And, and I feel like – a lot of those guys are still trying to get experience, and in fact, I'm I've, I'm going to be calling some with some guys to fill in and and help some of our our younger ones. And so, we really don't have a problem with that. It's varsity where you know it counts for district play, and 
district baseball game and, and, and soccer and things like that. We want to make it fair and equitable for, for our kids and the teams that we play. And a big part of that is those teams that are traveling from, I mean, if you're talking your closest games four and a half hours away, when those teams are coming to you, you want to make sure that it's a good environment for them too. And that they're not feeling like, Hey, I'm getting up there and it's the school board and it's the librarian and somebody that's all um, a diamond tiger forever. Um, you know, they want to make sure that it's, you're trying to protect the integrity of the game as well. And, and well, but I think too, you know, when I wear that G on my shirt too, I'm, I'm, I'm also trying to make the make it quality for us. I'm, a, I'm a Gaiman grad. I'm a Gaiman coach. I'm a, you know, I want to make it the best. And so when people leave, they're like, "Hey, win, lose, or draw, we had a great experience out there." And so, um, you almost have to be a car salesman too. You know, you got to make it, you got to make the environment good. You got to have quality people running it and. It's a full-time job. It's seven days a week, and I think people don't get that as you guys do as ADs. I mean, it's it's not just a seven to four, eight to four job. It's 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 every day. Something's up. Something new. Transportation issues. Um, you know, the padding comes off the backboard. One of our goalposts is you know something's wrong with it. Um, you got a water leak on the field. It's constant every day, something new. And that, but I think that's why I like being an athletic director is every day is different. There's, it's not the same old, same old. It's you're fighting a different battle, putting out a different fire every day. Well, and I've said it kind of in just a bunch of times, just myself of all the hats I have to wear. But you truly are wearing a lot of hats, Tyler. I mean, you're you're wearing a lot more hats than maybe any of us. And, I, and I'm jealous that you have hair. I don't have hair because I've worn so many hats, but you have way more hair than I do, and, and you still juggle all this. And I, I'm amazed at how you're able to do all that. And uh, testament to you, hats off to you for being able to juggle all that and still be able to enjoy this profession and want to stay in this profession. We wouldn't have time to talk to us on a podcast. I mean, it'd be the easiest thing to find time out of your day. Yeah, and you're still trying to be a dad. Um, you're still trying to take, I mean, you, you've got all kinds of stuff that you're piling into this situation. Um, and, and if I remember right, are you a grandpa too? I am. I just had my, my, my second grandbaby, a little girl. And so, uh, yeah, that that's a whole new, uh, element right there. You know, you don't think, you know, you don't think how exciting it'll be until it really happens. But I've, I've really enjoyed that. Um, it's, it's like, uh, you know, I, I've got, I've got four kids. My oldest one's 24. My youngest is 13. And then I've got a two-year-old grandson and you know, and a month and a half old granddaughter. And so, uh, it's chaos at, at, uh, at work and then it's chaos at home. No, it's, it's good chaos. And, and I enjoy it, and and if you don't laugh about it, you'll you'll go crazy. And so, it's guys like you guys and doing this and and talking to the people around the state. And if you don't cut up a little bit and smile and and have a good time, uh, I think you'll lose your mind. So let me ask you this: if, Is there any truth to if you knew grandkids were this fun, you'd have had them first? Man, I'll tell you what they they they're just happy to see you when you get there. And I I told my my 13 year old yesterday, the day before, I said, Hey, see, he's got it figured out. Samuel's got it figured out. He, uh, 
he's so excited when when I'm around or I go see him or things like that. Uh, you ought to you ought to follow his lead a little bit. You know, <laughs> she's that she's that eighth grader, that thirteen year old that uh, dad's not real cool right now. And and I don't know what it's going to be like next year when she's playing high school basketball and we have to ride to the gym and leave the gym together. It's going to be an interesting time. <laughs> and if you think about it, like you as a young official or young coach, you knew it all. You, I mean, and then those 13, 14 year, I got a 14 year old daughter and, and it's a different world every day. She wakes up and I'm thinking, man, we even five minutes ago was a great conversation. And all of a sudden it has gone to, it's gone off the tracks and I'm not sure how it got there, but just balancing the emotions of a of a teenage girl and then you coach them as well so i mean you get to deal with that on a regular basis so i think to sum up tyler chapman i would just say chaos i would think <laughs> chaos is probably an accurate description for you constant chaos i mean it, right um, but you know what it's good like i said i i enjoy it um it can be stressful at times but uh it's it's you i learn something new every day and i'm like or or at the end of the day, I'm like, did that really just happen? Um, you, you, you never know. And so that's why I call some of you guys and I'm like, have you guys ever dealt with this? And they're like, no way. And I'm like, man, I promise I'm not lying to you. <laughs> and, and, and it turns to it, it, just sharing stories and, and, and doing those things because it's so, uh, it's challenging, it's rewarding, but there's also a lot of craziness. Well, and you talked about it early on. You've got to laugh, and you've got to be able to enjoy and cut up some sometimes. And and I think Alton will tell you that I'm big on that. Um, color will tell you. I mean, just being around Color, you know, he's a good time waiting for a place to happen. He's just whoever's around him, he's going to make laugh. And um, being able to surround yourselves with people like like those individuals uh, to, to just help sharpen you, help give you a chance to. Say okay, you guys understand what I'm going through. You understand the world that I'm in, and you can you can appreciate that. And I think that's what's the value of this profession is everybody's willing to share that. We're able to sit around and have a good conversation, and and we understand the decompression mode that we got to laugh, or it's it'll drive you completely out of this business if you allow it to. But you seem to have so many balls that you're juggling in the air. I don't know how all that's happening, but man, I've, I've gained a ton of respect just listening to you. Um, it was already high before we had this conversation, but now listening to all the things that you're doing, my respect level has gone up even further just because I see how you're balancing and I can sympathize with, with what you're going through. Um, and man, you, you just impressed me with just how you're handling it all. And still, it's all about the kids. And, and at the end of the day, we say that, and that's a moniker in our profession, but it, but that's true. We we really believe that it's all about kids. Well, and I appreciate those words. It's it's one of those things. Like I said, we we all we're all fighting the same battle. We're all in it for the kids. And and I'm one of those that if I can if I can steal something from somebody else that that, uh, that makes me better, that does it better. That's what I do on a daily basis. I mean, I haven't created anything. Um, that's why I'm constantly talking to you and Lusk and Kohler and, and Emily Barkley and anybody that I know that knows more than I do. I'm calling them and saying, hey, what do you do on this? Send me this. Do this. How would you handle this? Because um, the more tools you got in the toolbox, the better AD you'll be. And, and, and I mean, same thing as coaching. It's, it's no different. I'm, I'm trying to learn something every day. And, 
and and understand my you know what we're doing, where we're going, why we're going there. And uh, but I appreciate all of you guys as ads and and what you do and and you know keep feeding me information and helping me out and and you know a caller I don't know how you can ever be in a bad mood around that guy because he's not gonna let you he going it's a cut up and uh his comedy act I, I'm telling you I, I think you gotta go around and when he's done doing the ad stuff and just be a public speaker and and do a comedy hour and 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 make people laugh and his stories, he's such, he's one of the best storytellers I've ever been around in my life. And he can tell jokes without laughing. And I just, that's one of those skills I want to learn, but I just can't, I haven't developed it yet. Well, let me ask you this. Have you learned more of what not to do or what to do from Kohler? Cause I think <laughs> I'd, I'd go on the former than the latter. Oh, I'm 50, 50. I'm like, man, that was awesome. Or did you really say that? <laughs> <laughs> well thank you again for for coming on with us today uh my apologies for being a little under the weather but thanks dustin for kind of getting us through um but it's it, what you're doing for your, your community your kids is outstanding well, sure. i appreciate you guys just visiting with you i i've I've watched you know your previous shows and and they're 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 fun they're they're informational but um there's some comedy into them and so i appreciate what you guys are doing and you know uh, promoting what you're doing and, and we're all in the same fight and on the same team so thank you for having me and and i really enjoyed it yeah i appreciate you brother thank you for jumping on here and thank you for saying good things about color um that wasn't a paid advertisement for him and and i will we'll, we'll have to have a few episodes to really get him back and deflate his head a little bit because you built him up pretty good but man i appreciate you jumping on here and and i look forward to visiting with you in person uh when that time arises and maybe even Lusk and I'll make a trip out there and, and watch a game at Guyman. All right. Thanks. Thanks guys. See you Dustin. Appreciate you brother. That wraps up this episode. Thank you for listening. And thank you to our sponsor wall of fame who excels at telling your school stories and supports us in telling ours. Check out the description of this episode for a link to receive a discount on all wall of fame products. We are looking forward to the next story and hope you are too.